0: My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. This morning's scripture is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with the first verse of the 28th chapter. It is our custom at Kings to stand when reading scripture. So if you are able, please stand and read with me. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Now at church, I would invite the children up, and I would have a plate of cookies. Now, Vicki is the baker in our house, and I would have asked her to bake these cookies. And I would say, Boys and girls, everybody take a cookie. They are called Easter Surprise Cookies. And I would take one for myself, of course, and I would say, don't eat your cookie until everybody has one. Okay, dig in. Yum, I would say. Isn't that good? And can anybody figure out why they're called Easter Surprise Cookies? And I'm sure they would figure it out very quickly because baked on the center inside of each cookie was a jelly bean. And I would say, well, the today's, title of today's Bible lesson is an Easter surprise. But the Easter surprise in our lesson is about finding something that wasn't expected. It's about not finding what was expected. See, the people in the Bible story went to see Jesus in the tomb, but he wasn't there. He was risen. That is why when we see our friends on Easter, we greet them by saying, he is risen, and our friends reply, he is risen indeed. Dear God, we thank you for this glorious celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We are not surprised the tomb was empty. He was risen just as he said he would, and in his name we pray, amen. Amen. What does Easter mean to you? Well, I could tell the old chestnut about the Sunday school teacher and the three children and the punchline is Jesus came out of his tomb and saw his shadow and we had six more weeks of winter, but I'm gonna go for another little boy. The Sunday school teacher said, what does Easter mean to you? And he rolled his eyes and he sighed and he said, two weeks of egg salad sandwiches. Well, that's a terrible answer, but a good question. What does Easter mean to you? This year, Easter falls during the COVID-19 pandemic. A time where we're secluded in our homes and told to wrap our faces in cloth if we dare to go out for groceries or supplies. We walk into the grocery store and you see people wandering with gloved hands and masked faces. Get too close and you register a wide-eyed look of alarm. We're hiding from an invisible beast. COVID-19 is a breathtaking virus. It steals breath from our bodies in a particularly terrifying way. It strikes suddenly, leaving us frightened and breathless with no cure in sight. And the only thing we can do is hide away, covering our noses and faces with cloth, hoping to keep the aggressive beast away from our lungs. This brutal virus makes us feel like we are locked in a dark tomb for an impossibly long duration as though the darkness of good Friday might go on forever with little hope in sight. And yet around us, we see signs of spring, signs of awakening, signs of hope, signs of resurrection. And we know life as we know it may be dampened for now, covered in what feels like funeral clothing. And yet spring blooms eternal. All around us, birds sing, the sun bursts out from the clouds, trees buds, flowers unfurl, the ground thaws and God unwraps an entirely new landscape of color. But for now, we wait. In the early days of CCM, Contemporary Christian Music, there was a group called Second Chapter of Acts, and they had a hit song called The Easter Song. The lyrics were taken from scripture, it had a driving beat, a bell like a piano accompaniment, and the song conveyed the joy of celebrating the risen Christ as well as the awe of seeing the angel on the t- tomb. The chorus rings out, joy to the world, he is risen. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. See, the story today is about looking for something we expected to be there and finding something that wasn't. Now, on Monday nights, after we watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, Vicky and I settle down for one of our favorite shows, we love to watch antiques roadshow. We love to uh, see the person introduce their object. Perhaps it was in the attic, perhaps it's a hand-me-down from their great-great-grandmother, or maybe like a lady we saw last week, they picked it up for $12 at a, a Goodwill store. And then we hear the expert explain the the item and its history and its provenance. And maybe they'll lean over on the back and say, look, here's this marker, here's this imprint, and this shows us that you have, and they'll fill in the blank. Well, a couple weeks ago, we were watching one of those uh, re-evaluation shows where they showed the original, and then they put a little chart at the bottom, and either the green hour goes up, and the price increases, or and it goes down. And there was a Patek Philippe Swiss pocket watch from 1914. And it was originally appraised at, I think it was three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. And in 2016, when it was reappraised, it was valued at one point five million dollars. So I, I, I'm sure you're wondering what. Why is he telling us about Antiques Roadshow? Well, have you been noticing on Facebook and. Uh, other social media, media, all the people that have been going through boxes of pictures and cleaning out rooms and posting wonderful memories from 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago. A friend of mine found a whole packet of pictures from one of my original Christian bands called New Beginnings, and uh, it was pretty amazing to see a, a 23 or a 24-year-old Doc Madison being the lead singer for this band. But you see, we all want to find buried treasure. We want to find something that nobody else has found. And that's why we're going to look at three things today. See, Easter doesn't begin with Palm Sunday. It actually begins with Christmas. This journey for us begins at Christmas with a baby in the manger. It travels through the cross and seemingly ended in a tomb a tomb hewn out of a cave. So let's start with the crib. Pretend something like this happened for a moment. The angel Gabriel got back to heaven and rushed up to God and said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And God said, well, give me the good news first. The good news is, the angel said, mission accomplished. I visited those people you told me to visit. I told them what you told me to tell them and it is all accomplished. God said, so what's the bad news? The bad news, the angel said, is that these people down there are terrified of you. Every time I visited someone, I had to start it off with fear not because they got so frightened that you were coming close. God said to the angel, that's the reason I have to carry out the plan I've made. You see, God said to the angel, I need to go to earth because my people are so frightened. They are so full of fear that I've got to bring the message that they no longer need to be afraid. The angel said, and how are you going to do that since they are so fearful? God said, there's one place on earth that people are not afraid. And that one remaining place is a little baby. My people on earth are not afraid of a baby. When a baby is born, they rejoice and give thanks without fear because that's the only place left in their lives where they're not afraid. So I will go to earth, and I will become a little baby, and they will receive me with no fear at all, because that's the one place my people have no fear. God acted in the only way God could without overwhelming us and taking away our fear. God became a tiny babe. Which brings me to those bumper stickers that keep Christ in Christmas. See, it's easy for us to think of Jesus as a a little baby and leave him in the manger. But if we leave Christ in Christmas, then he never has the opportunity to leave the manger and he never has the opportunity to teach, to lead, to call, and to die on the cross. Jesus has to leave the crib to take us to the cross. In fact, this is hidden in one of our our most beloved Christmas carols. Charles Wesley wrote, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. Jesus' birth was a foreshadowing of what he would do for us and the great gift that God was giving us. In fact, it comes down to this. Martin Luther the great reformer said christ became what he was not sin in order that we might become what we were not the righteousness of god now i want you to do me a favor and i want you to do this now realize that you're by yourself listening but imagine if we were at the congregation and i would say this i would say i want you to Do this, and if everybody does it, you won't look foolish. I want you to take your hand out and reach out and grab the secret of this day. Go ahead, just reach out and grab the secret of this day. Once you've got it firmly in your grasp, I want you to open your hand. What do you see? Nothing, right? Your hand is empty. That's the secret of the day. The crib, the cross, and the cave are all empty. And that's what makes this day above all days so special. The crib is empty because in Jesus, hope was born into this world. But in order for that hope to reach the entire world, the baby Jesus of Christmas had to grow to become a man. And he did. The crib is empty because he did. He became a man who challenged the world with faith and hope. He grew to become a man who owned nothing and lived on borrowed time he was born in a borrowed stable laid in a borrowed manger for a crib he preached from a borrowed boat he rode in jerusalem on a borrowed donkey he fed 5000 people from a lunch he borrowed from a small boy he borrowed an upper room for the last supper and he was laid in a room that was borrowed from joseph of arimathea everything in significance in his life and ministry was borrowed except for one thing, the cross. The cross belonged to Jesus and to Jesus alone. While, on the th- while the cross was thrust on others, Jesus willingly took the cross of our redemption. The cross is empty because for the seed of hope, which was Jesus, to grow and bear fruit, it had to be buried and planted so that hope could take root. The cross is empty because Jesus was the final sacrifice the final paschal lamb there would be no longer a need for bloody sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins this act and the act this act pardon me and the empty cross echo Jesus last words it is finished so when the ladies arrived at the tomb the tomb was empty the stone was rolled away not so Jesus could get out but so that we could get in and see that the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty because nothing can hold the Son of God, not even death. That reminds me of a a funny story. Supposedly, it's a true story of a United Methodist minister who was asked to do a funeral, and the interment was an hour and a half away, and he was not feeling well, So he asked if he could ride in the front of the hearse with the funeral director. The funeral director agreed and they drove the hour and a half up and the pastor was feeling worse and worse. And after the graveside interment, he looked like death warmed over. And the funeral director said, well, why don't you lay down in the back and I'll drive us home and you get some rest. Within moments, the pastor was sound asleep and he slept until the hearse came to a stop because... The funeral director needed some gasoline, so the pastor shook himself awake and in a few moments sat up and pulled back the curtain on the hearse and looked out the window to see where he was. And he became nose-to-nose with the gas station attendant. The last thing the gas station attendant expected was for someone to look at him through the back of the hearse. He took off running and shouting with the funeral director behind him, running and shouting the explanation. And I get the idea that that's the jolt, that's the excitement, that's the fear that had settled on the Marys when they got to the tomb. Now, Time Magazine, a few years back, did an article called, Does Heaven Exist? And 81% of the people interviewed said yes. They believed that heaven existed. But the problem is believing that heaven exists and knowing how to get there are completely different things. Barbara Walters was asked to interview Larry King on the 20th anniversary of the Larry King live show. She asked him two poignant questions. She said, what is your greatest fear? And he said, death. His greatest fear was dying. And then she followed up with this question. Do you believe in God? He said, I don't know. I'm agnostic. Well, if we celebrate Easter together, then we believe in God. We believe in a risen Savior. And we know that we have proof because we have the absence of proof. Think about this. Famous people, infamous people, family, friends, Everybody has a final resting place, just like that old joke, who's buried in Grant's tomb? Who's buried in Jesus' tomb? Nobody. We have proof that Jesus was risen because there is no tomb. There is no final resting place. The miracle of Easter is that the cross, the crib, and the cave are all empty. Joy to the world Second chapter of Acts sang, he is risen, alleluia. Charles Wesley wrote, God and sinners reconciled. This Easter, maybe we would have sung, up from the grave he arose, or I love it when the choir at a church will sing the hallelujah chorus. Let me catch up with myself here, sorry. So what that does is it brings us back to these three things, an empty crib, an empty cross, and an empty cave. They tell the story of our risen Savior who brings hope through wholeness and forgiveness. They remind us that every person can experience the resurrection in their lives through Jesus, the Son of God, who takes the emptiness of our lives, fills us with new life and new hope. And our challenge is to let him fill the emptiness in us with his unconditional love so that we can share it with others. If you've never accepted or asked Jesus into your heart to fill your empty heart with his love and his goodness, make today the day that you stop and lift up that prayer. If you need to be reminded that God doesn't leave those he loves in a tomb, Make today the day that you walk with Jesus into the light. And if you've already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you are walking with him in the light, then share the good news. The way we're sharing the good news in this difficult time at King's is with our Facebook page. I've been doing a daily devotional. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark and now through the Psalms. And please take a notice Take a read and share in the devotional. And if you like it, please click the like button and share. We've also continued to put our sermons on Google, Apple, and Anchor. You can listen to this week's sermon and, uh, I believe, 30 other sermons on Google, Apple, and Anchor. And finally, reach out, pray up, and spread around the good news this Easter. Call somebody email somebody, drop a letter in the mail, and let them know the good news of God's great love. Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Amen.